Good afternoon and welcome to the Weekly Take with your host, Johnny Phillips, alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on the Young News Podcast on this Monday, June 22nd, 2020, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. And today we are focusing on that lovely, lovely phrase, Sean, that we all love so much and appreciate so dearly, social justice. That is the term we are focusing on. And what we're going to focus on social justice. I think I think of four terms, Sean. I think of equality, diversity, freedom, and democracy. And I believe that when we look at the government, when we look at when a government becomes tyrannical, I believe there's a left arm and a right arm that have been used over the past several years. And on that left arm, and that's what we're going to focus in a lot today, is of course equality and diversity. I think when we're pushing forward uh, domestic policy, you often hear that policy wrapped up in the words equality and diversity. And it seems to me that the left arm has a bit of a monopoly on the usage of these words and how they are used and when they are used and where they are used. But the other hand, and we're not going to focus a ton of time on it, but I wanted to start off the show on it, is freedom and democracy. And this usually points to international policy, foreign policy. We're in the name of freedom, in the name of doing justice, in the name of democracy. We go to other places around the world, we put boots on the ground, drones in the sky, and we say that we're there for other people's interests and for the good of those countries, when in fact it's about regime change, it's about protecting the United States dollar, and so far, at least from what I have gathered, we have done more harm than good. And that is another arm of this social justice movement, a movement that might have started off with what I would argue very good intentions. People wanted to do good things. There were problems to be solved. There were people who wanted to get together internationally, domestically, do good things. And I feel like the tyrannical nature of the United States government got a hold of these terms, put a monopoly on the usage of these terms, and pretty much has done so for the past several years. And so, again, focusing on that left arm, that equality, that diversity, I am going to pass over, Sean, the social justice microphone to you. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, yeah, very interesting how you laid that out because when we hear social justice these days, people think of like a you know essentially a left wing movement or or what people would I think mistakenly call a liberal movement. Um, it's it's much more of a left wing movement because it's <clears throat> not liberal at all. Liberalism wouldn't would entail that there's like a freedom of ideas and a freedom of thought. <clears throat> and social justice is very much against freedom of ideas and, and dissenting opinions because it's trying to, you know, it's essentially an ideology that's trying to push something. So um, on the right, I guess you could point out that, yeah, that this idea of we're going to enforce justice, social justice, we're going to give, the, you know, these people in the Middle East, they're, they're, they're being run by despots and dictators, and we're going to forcibly strip the power of those people away and give the, you know and basically impose democracy this is I, I i understand the sentiment completely however you know that's that has been an excuse used to justify some very terrible things as i'm sure you would agree you know regime changes that in the vacuum of the regime far worse things have popped up 
Um, right, right. And this this speaks a lot to the principle of of liberalism, which is letting people make their own decisions, essentially. So right. anyway, I, but that's besides the point, and that's I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. I guess what I want to talk about um, is where this idea of social justice comes from, at least on the left, which has been ascendant for, I would say, the past 50 years or so. Um, and it's very interesting because a lot of people are confused about, like, for example, Black Lives Matter. Where did this come from? They, th- they think that this is a grassroots uh, um, movement that is that is designed and 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 comes out of a uh, you know of a hopeful and loving place where we want black people to be treated equal and all this nice all this nice stuff, and that's demonstrably false. That mm. they are a grassroots movement that ha- that are trying to uh, uh, that they're trying to essentially fight for equality and. Um, yeah, and essentially, you know, social justice is what they say. Yeah. So, okay, um, is it okay if I go into this? It's yes. Gonna, if you yes. can, you can jump. In, you can jump, jump in if you want. All right. No, go ahead. You got it. Okay. All right. So this is a, this is a lot. <laughs> it's really big, and, I've, and I've, it's something I've been thinking about for years, and it's something that I've, I've been researching a lot recently because I think if you were to mention something like social justice a year or two years ago, the average person kind of wouldn't know what you're talking about. They'd be like, "Whoa, is that okay? Justice? Yeah, you mean like the law, the system of laws, or 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 protesters, uh, you know, fighting for civil rights." Okay, so that is kind of the veneer of what social justice is. But what social justice in in the iterations that we're talking about, or where Black Lives Matter comes from, or where Antifa comes from, comes from an ideology called intersectionality, and specifically feminist intersectionality, and, and so. What intersectionality is, I'm, I'm sure you know, but if the listeners don't know, intersectionality is this I- ideology that you are judged upon depending on your group status. And um, this speaks a lot to, like, I'm going to go even further into this into, in terms of, like, social uh, critical theory. So if you are black, then you belong, then you are in a certain group and if you are trans you're in another group and if you are you know asian you're another group if you're a woman you're another group right all of this all of these uh you know i I, identitarian arguments where you're being divided up by your group right and essentially you're placed and you know where wherever you intersect on those things increases your likelihood of being victimized for example Mm -hmm. if you're in a if you believe that there is a system that is um that is uh, uh, racist against black people, and it's also sexist against women. Well, if you're a black woman, then you're doubly getting screwed by this system. Yes. And this, okay, so. Um, and, and I think just to chime in real quick, and again, that, go ahead. that the at the base of that, the reason why you're getting screwed is because there's this kind of oppressor versus oppressed uh, sure. bit of, and that, yes. that as you're going to say, it goes into critical theory, where the, at the, at the very core of the argument is there's the people who have something and the people who don't have something. There are the people who have power and the people who are powerless. And the people who are powerless, there's a hierarchy. And the bottom line is if you are of one of these minority statuses, you're at this point. And then every single time you add a minority status, say if you are a black trans uh, woman, okay, Mm -hmm. you will then have a lot of moral authority on what to say and what rules to apply to you and what people should do. But if you right. are, let's say, a white male who's 45 years old with two children and a wife, 
uh, you're not going to be at all considered, uh, let's say, as valuable, equally mm -hmm. as equally as valuable as the other person. Right. So, okay. So, yes, that, that's, that's a very good way to illustrate it. So, this idea of critical theory where there are societal uh systems of oppression that you know this just speaking on that you're, you're not even calling into the equation race or gender or religion or any of this stuff but when you when you apply like postmodern ideology where intersectionality kind of comes in now we're talking about oh critical race theory critical gender theory that you're, you're kind of mashing these two ideas together hmm. in i believe in a way that doesn't show its work or doesn't really you know it's it's very it's kind of a logic that is made for itself in order to be able to validate itself hmm. and that's where that's the biggest problem that i have with it and i think the biggest problem that you know, uh, uh, academics who liberal academics who 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 disagree with it have because it's it's essentially it's begging the question. You have this idea where you say, well, I, I think that trans people are being uh, unfairly treated by the system, however vague that might be, or black people or or whoever kind of group you think are being unfairly treated by quote unquote the system. You go, okay, I'm going to take these couple of theories. I'm going to take postmodernism. I'm going to take. I'm, oh, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of M Michel Foucault. Yeah. I'm going to take some of Jacques Derrida's ideas about uh, deconstruction. I'm going to take some of Simone de Beauvoir's idea yeah. about feminist theory. Marx, and I'm just Marx with class gonna, struggle. Sorry, sorry. Marx, Marxism with class struggle. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that goes back even further. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and I'm going to kind of mash them together and make this ideology in which the powerful are are these people, and the, in in this in this iteration would be white men, right? White, uh, I guess, white heterosexual Christian men specifically, and then all the other groups. I'm going to take essentially and put them on a totem pole underneath and there's so many problems with this because if you take a cross-section of american culture i mean white people on average don't earn i mean asians earn the most money on on average yeah. and yeah. and within the subgroup of black you could say oh well i mean children of african immigrants or or west indian immigrants do significantly better economically than other black people so this is, you know, that once you really start getting granular and, and looking at the demographics, you go, okay, this, this theory, you know, it's an, it's an interesting counterpoint to a lot of ideas, but it doesn't explain how the world works around us. Right. And unfortunately, people who, who kind of pray at this altar of intersectionality, they don't see that. They, they yeah. don't want to see that. Yeah. They, they believe that you're, you know, I mean, essentially you're blaspheming against their religion. Correct. Which, which is, it's become. Which is yeah. to to criticize it. Go ahead, jump in. No, which I was going to say, it has become a bit of a relation, uh, a religion in a sense where, because I, I want to be careful not to throw everything about religious ideas or religious worship out the window and saying it's well, obviously let, all negative. Let, let me, let me but, actually, yeah, let me let me just uh, go uh, ahead. clarify. Well, I guess when I say religion, I mean, I, I, we could have a, a, we can have a discussion another day about, about uh, like spiritual religion, but I guess what, I'm, what I mean by religion is essentially an ideology that is set up to validate itself and that doesn't have that could be spiritual or it could be secular so yeah. i mean yeah. Yeah. when i'm speaking about a religion i mean i'm speaking about a set of ideas 
that are set up essentially to, to validate themselves. And yep. when I'm talking about intersectionality as a religion, I think we can look at at structure, like structurally how religions are built. Yep. And I mean, it do, could be irrespective of a god or or any, or any. I mean, you could you could be you could there there are religious cults in which they they worship a just a, a, a mortal human being. And so it's you know it's not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about religion in the sense of a spirituality. I'm talking about right. religion in the sense of an ideology. But go ahead. Well, yeah, no, and I was going to say one of the interesting things is it's often turned into the same movement that seems to be pushing a very, well, we're not religious, we're totally secular. Everything that was taught to you about religious ideas and interpretations is nonsense. And yet this has become a kind of dogmatic way of life in itself. This has been kind yeah. of uh, not just something that has pointed to something else and saying, we're not like these quote unquote, you know, judgmental uh, uh, fundamentalists. And yet they've become sure. fundamentalists themselves, in my opinion. But like one of the things that you mentioned, I mean, this idea that uh, there's, you know, for me, they don't use the word sin, but they use the word racist because I always hear the fact that, you know, well, you're sure. racist, you're systemically racist. I feel like what sure. they're saying is, is you're systemically made to create problems. Yeah, that's kind of true. But like, but they, but the way they talk about it is like, you got to use the right term. Okay. But right. they don't bring right. up obviously that, that, that term the, that, that way. Uh, the other thing they talk right. about so, is now that you're, mm -hmm. uh, you know, say if you're a person out there and. And, and you say, like you said, you're a white male or you're a white female and you have this quote unquote white guilt. Boy, that, that, that reminds me of something. This white yeah. guilt in which the only way you can save yourself, Sean, think about mm -hmm. how they do this. You are supposed to feel guilty about the color of your skin, but they do offer you salvation. If you join the cause, mm. the social justice cause, okay, you can be redeemed. You can be saved. You can be made a new person. And so they do take these elements of spirituality. And as you said, these elements of that have been in the past um, uh, uh, affiliated with religion. Um, and they use it in their own system. And I think you made a good point. You said they've created the system so they feel like they have the authority to define the system. Where, right. where because we created the system of critical theory, then we can kind of come up with what its actual definitions are and how it's going to be defined or 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 what the solutions are and what the solution exactly what the solutions are and a lot of times obviously i almost feel like when we look at the government when we look at some of these solutions it's almost like they purposely know that it doesn't solve the problem but it helps them when it comes down to the word power and control and influence and they know right. that if these problems continue to perpetuate then they can continue to offer more and more what I would argue extreme solutions okay, to mm. the problem. So the example I would give is affirmative action. I never thought for one second affirmative action would work. but it did, mm. And it didn't work. And it hasn't really worked when it comes down to achieving the ultimate goal of what a lot mm. of people in the original social justice movement wanted. So what did they right. do? They didn't say, hmm, maybe we should take a step back and go a different direction. It was like, no, let's double down. No, Not only are we going to do affirmative action, which is put someone a front of other people based on their race, not the content of their character, or based on the merits that they have put or provided, we are now going to say that there are going to be reparations that are going to be demanded to be paid to people of a particular race. And again, they double down on it. And again, when this doesn't work, they'll continue to move farther and farther. So, I mean, you know, there, as you mentioned before, there's so much that you can get into. I really like that you brought up the idea of 
where we are, when this movement really started to take off, how they feel compelled that because they were the creators of this system, um, they're able to explain what the rules are to play by. Who can say what? Who has moral authority? Who can speak right. on this issue? And what I actually see, and I think I have a lot of hope when I look at this situation, I see this movement eating itself a little bit. Oh, I, more than a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I see, for example, one of the things that I've already seen uh, uh, take place is you see, I guess I would use the word secular, you see a lot of terrific well-intentioned secular professors, let's just say, i.e. Douglas Murray, Jordan Peterson, you can make the list even more, a couple others, who are not radically in the right of politics, not right. even moderate, you would consider them classical liberals, being yeah. completely thrown out the room and saying your voice is not important, you don't have anything important to say because you are not according to our rules, a part of us. And right. so well, I they, feel well, like they, that they was... They're specifically not even anything that they are saying, but specifically because they're white men. Exactly. Therefore, their ideas, it, therefore they are, their ideas don't matter. Exactly. Because, and, and it's because, John, this postmodernist kind of view views, it doesn't believe in objective knowledge or objective experience. It, it believes in experiential uh, knowledge. For example, like, oh, well... You are not a black woman, so you can't possibly understand my experiences. And while that may be true, experience is not indicative of an objective, reasonable truth, right? We can, you can look at something. John, if, you know, the scientific method shows that I can do an experiment. I'm a white guy. Yeah. Uh, and and I, if I do the experiment enough times, I'll realize, okay, here's the result I'm getting. A black woman can do that experiment. She's going to get the exact same results, right? right? right. So, it, so, so ex objective experience does not change, but this ideology says that it does. And it, and it tries to validate, I mean, it tries to essentially in, indict, uh, you know, what we view as reason and logic and these things that have come from Western classical enlightenment uh, it tries to view these things as inventions of white European men, and that's they try. I mean, it's it's a very weak, bad argument because demonstrably those things are true. Demonstrably, we know that reason and silence, science and logic can show us what is demonstrably true, could be because you can replicate it in correct. A, in a, it, right and emotion. Uh, sorry, just one more thing. I mean, emotions and how you feel. No, none of these are tangible. These are not things that you can replicate. These are subjective experiences. But they try to get around this idea of, oh, well, science is an invention, is a colonial invention, and therefore we have to throw it out in favor of subjective emotional experience. So, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, I mean, to follow up that, so I'm looking at some of the flaws in the way that this approach has been taken. I see incredible mm -hmm. flaws. One of the biggest flaws, as you mentioned, the idea of, you know, objective truth. When someone says to me, you know, there is no objective truth, and I would say to them, do you, do you know that absolutely? Right. Well, then they're stuck. Because if they yeah. say, uh, yes, wait a second, you just said that there's no absolute. You right. said there's no, there, that everything's, uh, that, you, that, that there's no such thing as objectivity. So which right. one is it? 
Because if you confirm that your comment that you just made is object uh, is absolutely true, you've now debunked yeah. your entire argument that you've made. Uh, but I yes. would say, so, it, so it, and it's, this, and it's that, trying to it's trying to denounce an absolute with an absolute. Yes, absolute. it says, well, there's no such thing as good and evil. But if you are this people, then you are evil. Wait a second, you mm. can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. say to someone else's moral system that that is inherently bad and wrong and evil. But then you've just used the word evil yourself, which means you have a system yourself, which means maybe someone else will come along who's less powerful than you, and they mm. could technically, according to your argument, say that your system and your definition of good and exactly. evil obviously well, John, fall this is, apart. This is, and, this is exactly why this movement and the left is eating itself. Is right. Because there, this is the thing, Johnny, is, I mean, <clears throat> if you have an ideology that is entirely based off of victimhood and giving those who are perceived with more victimhood more of a say and more, I mean, it's not equality, it's equity. It's, it's essentially trying to create equality of outcomes as opposed to equality of opportunities, right. which has essentially been the, the goal of liberal secular society that came out of Europe, came out of the post-Enlightenment era. It's essentially, oh yes, you know, everybody has all these different beliefs. We're all going to respect each other. We're all going to get along with each other. We're all going to hopefully live in a, in a world where, you know, I mean, of course, no, no, one, no one is born into equal circumstances. I could be born very poor. You could be born very rich. I could have a high IQ or a low IQ. You could, you could have a, you know, a, a a genetic disease that really slows you down a lot. So, you know, we, we, we know that no one, no one is given the exact same circumstances, but we respect the fact that everyone's circumstances are different. And we're not going to try to force people into certain scenarios. We're going to let them try to do it for themselves. And we're going to try to create a society that is free enough that allows you to essentially preserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your idea of happiness, hey, you do what you want to do as long as you're not hurting anybody else, as long as you're not hurting me. And that is the morality of kind of, of liberalism, essentially. Yeah. That, is be, that is being usurped because the whole ideology is that no, 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 no. You can, there is no such thing as equality because it, that was an idea invented by white European men. Correct. And they're not looking at the tenets of that idea. Their yeah. idea. They're, only looking at, they're only looking at who created it. And if, and I'm going to go back into Foucault, Michel Foucault. So one of the he was a French postmodern philosopher. One of his biggest ideas was deconstructing systems of power. Right? He was he would look at things like Christianity. He would look at things like capitalism. He would look at things like Marxism and communism. All of these big systems, and trying to kind of deconstruct them and say, okay, where where does the power go? Who gets who gets who gets to hold all of the power in these systems? Who gets to do the oppressing and who are the oppressed in this system, right? Yeah. It, a very good and interesting and noble pursuit to try and deconstruct what's going on in, yeah. in human, you know, in human societies and human systems and in man-made creations, essentially. And so, he, you know, this is a very, okay, this is great, excellent. But when you, essentially, I mean, uh, ideologues in, uh, in the American uh, academia in the 70s and 80s started taking up these ideas as being the end-all be-all essentially right. like we we went from modernism to here you have a postmodern criticism of modernism good awesome we should have this yin and yang you know what i mean we yep. need to have we need to have this we need to Balance. have a diverse view of of how we're going to see the world right but that that essentially started usurping modernism until okay well postmodernism it becomes the foundational thing where 
everything now, if you look through the lens of that, everything is about power. Every everything, every system is built to oppress someone and to and, and for someone to try and take advantage of it. Right? I mean, it, it's 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 like. And then, I mean, and, and again, I'm going to go back to the religious idea, like, you know, talking about privilege or white privilege, that sounds a lot like original sin, you know, something that, eh, oh, you've got it and you can't, it's unfalsifiable, you can't say you don't have it. Right. And the only way to get rid of it is if you follow the, these, this one, two, three steps. Yeah. Exactly. Like you, don't, you don't so, have control over your life. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. um, okay. So anyway, and I guess jumping circling back once again because there's so much here to talk about the idea of this is not a stable position because as soon as i mean essentially the ideology is based on as soon as someone takes control or someone is ascendant then now they must be taken down and then when they come up then they must be taken down and you see this with you know with the social justice warriors going after first they all go after white heterosexual men and you'll see this in all the, you know, Salon, Vulture, uh, HuffPost, all, you know, all these BuzzFeed, all of these very social justice publications that talk about this. Oh, the problem with white men, the problem with toxic masculinity, right? And then when they're done with that, then they'll start deconstructing white women. Oh, why white women need to shut up? Why white women, da 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 And then guess what, John? The next thing that they're going on is white gay men. Well, white gay men are not really allies because blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And essentially, John, they just go down the list and they eat themselves. Yep. And, and so it's, I mean, it's a self-defeating ideology because right. you're just going to look at, you're just going to look at your neighbor and say, does, do they, are they doing better than me? Okay. Well, obviously it's not anything that they're doing or I'm doing. It's because the system has set it up so that they're going to succeed and I'm going to fail. And right. if you, I mean, if you look at it's it's paranoia, essentially, if you look at that and if you look at the parallels to Stalin, for example, I mean, yep. this is a guy who, this is a guy who, and, and I mean, you look at, you know, or look at North Korea. Uh, uh, or look at China uh, in the Cultural Revolution. These are guys who they they came up with their revolutionary brothers. Same thing happened with Che Guevara, you know, and and Castro. Like you come up with your revolutionary brothers and sisters, and then you start killing each other off when yeah. for because you're fighting for power. It's essentially you know you're you're fighting tyrants, and because you you yourself are a tyrant. Correct. So it's a self it's a self eating ideology. Yeah. yeah. I'll, well, I'll stop and and let you. Let's jump in. Go yeah, ahead. they're using power to destroy a power structure. Mm -hmm. That tells you everything you need to know. Right. They're using right. power to 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 destroy a power structure, and they're not aware of it. Right. And maybe they and are. But mm -hmm. and, and to I had to I had to look at this and say, okay, I really want to dive into why I would be an ally. Let's say of a quote unquote you know social justice movement. All right. Right. Okay. There are a couple of facts. Like, was there corruption? Let's just go back a couple hundred years, even today. Is mm -hmm. there corruption in the church or in mm -hmm. churches? Yes, yes. Is, are there problems within people who, who were uh, uh, Catholics or Protestants or Orthodox? Yes, okay, so that's true. Is there inequality in capitalism? Meaning a lot of people have something and a lot of others don't have as much. Yes, mm -hmm. okay, fine. We want to obviously not have things become too unequal. And we want to obviously not have a lot of corruption in the church. We don't want the church involved in government. All that stuff. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, and you have these problems and you want to be a part of a movement that solves problems. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like a lot of the people, I would argue the majority of people who have, who have joined social justice movements, meaning there's problems in our society, problems specifically from, let's say, traditional institutions, 
in which people want to solve. And they want to join this movement to solve these problems. The majority of people who do this have really good intentions. They want to make this world a better place. Mm -hmm. But wanting to make the world a better place is not making the world a better place. They don't mean the same thing. Just because you come up with a solution to a problem doesn't mean that you've come up with a good solution. Right. And so I think part of what has taken place here, specifically in politics, is you have this push to create more equality and diversity and inclusion. And as I mentioned, I think a lot of these things were well-intentioned. They looked at a system, they looked at how divided America was on race, how America was divided when it came down to class, how America was divided when it came down to religion. And they said, can't we all get together? Can't we all get along? Can't we look at some of these problems and solve some of these problems? The, mm. the problem that I would argue is that they put their faith, I put their faith, you put their faith, we all kind of put our faith in a larger structure to solve the problems. We didn't say, let's just solve the problem of policing within our community. So every hashtag, every minute that we sacrifice to this cause of putting forward something to reform the police is dealt with at the level of the five blocks that we live on. And you have all of the people and the neighbors and the individuals that live on those streets getting together once a week, twice a week, constantly keeping their politicians that are locally involved, and they work on those five blocks. That is not what happened. I I would argue the same exact thing when I mentioned the right arm and what went on with the words freedom and democracy overseas. We then began to put our trust, okay, not in small missions groups, okay, that could work much more effectively and in the name of peace and in nonviolence, but we worked with war and violence. We thought that bringing war and violence could end war and violence. And again, there's no, I'm not arguing that there's never a necessity to have a soldier with a gun in another country because that could be a good thing. What I'm trying to say, Sean, is in this admirable attempt by a lot of people who wanted genuinely to do, and still I would argue, want to do genuinely good things in the life that they have, okay? I think they've turned and have put their tr- their trust in a large institution. They said we need to move away from these larger institutions that we had trust in, and I was waiting for them to say, okay, we gotta go more smaller, more local, more mm-hmm. uh, bohemian, or not as corporate, and instead they traded one large institution for another large institution. And, right. and again, trying to see things through the eyes of those who affiliate themselves, not only today with the social justice movement, but also in the past, I genuinely, I hear them out. I get it. There are problems. There are traditional institutions. There are traditional ideas that have flaws that obviously have not solved some of the problems that we face today. So therefore, we need to be critical of those institutions. But being critical of those institutions does, isn't the same thing as tearing down those institutions. Right. And uh, you that, see that obviously good, with the police mm-hmm. as an example recently, okay, where it's not reform the police, it's defund the police. Right, right. Which and, this um, is a thing that, you know, majority of Americans disagree with that. A majority of Americans agree that there should be some uh, 
some changes to to uh, for example uh, uh, de-escalation policies, different policing policies. Okay, how do we, how do we reform and make things better? You know, a majority of Americans believe, believe in that and agree with that. All the polls say so. Then when you say defund the police, abolish the police, a majority of Americans disagree with that. Mm-hmm. So we we're we're seeing what we're seeing is kind of a hijacking of the narrative. Correct. And I mean essentially like you said, you know, you can you can look at a system and say, okay, there's problems here with the system. That doesn't necessarily mean that the utility of the system is completely just bunk and we need to get rid of it and tear it down and no no no. I mean if if you if you have a house that took hundreds of years to build and you've got some rot in a few places, it's better for you to just try to pinpoint those things and patch them up as opposed to tearing the whole house down and then having no house for the winter. And right? not to mention before, I hate to interrupt, but also they, not having a real under, a plan for what you're going to build. That, so like, that I as think well. this that is the well. issue that they have is that the whole premise is built on tearing something down. If you look mm-hmm. at this movement, I don't care if it's critical theory, also known as cultural Marxism, uh, when right. you look at uh, uh, the oppressed versus the oppressor, when you look at where this progressive left has come from, where they are mm-hmm. going, I get it. It's all about ter- – yes, like, okay, there's problems. What you're doing every single day, when you're on social media, when you're in the news, when you're in movies. I see this all the time now in movies, Sean. All you're mm-hmm. doing is providing problems, saying yeah. there's a problem with Christianity. There's a problem with uh, uh, capitalism. There's a problem with race relations. Well, you know what? I'm sick of problems. Why don't you yeah. actually, for once, develop a concrete solution so that it can be critiqued? But here's mm-hmm. what's really interesting. I don't think they fundamentally want that because if they provide a concrete solution based on objectivity, okay, now all of a sudden they have to be held accountable to certain rules and standards. But the way that right. the system is actually created is so there is no criticism. And gosh forbid you try to do this in a, let's say, critical thinking manner or you do it through debate. They view debate as a, you know, you can, you can fill in the blanks. They, they view debate as something that was an invention that's by, it, that's by, that's an oppre- by the oppressive Western oppressive. culture. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, because it was, and this is, see, this is the condescending part of this. This is what I hate. So you're saying only people in the West can debate? You're saying that only people that grew up in Europe and the United States are attractive to this idea right. that instead of taking out a gun and shooting someone, that, right. Or, right. Or, 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 or doing a duel, for example, that it might right. be a good idea to put our ideas forward and debate these and have a conversation. Are you really saying that the only people capable of doing such a thing are people who live traditionally in Europe and and the and the North America. Yeah. And John, this, you know, this is good because this speaks to the to the soft bigotry of low expectations that we see on the left. And it's, you know, I'll 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 bring up an example as the 1619 project. I don't know if you're familiar with this. But it's essentially, you know, a piece of a piece of journalistic work that the New York Times put out, surprise surprise, where essentially it tells the tale of race of uh, of slavery, but it starts from slavery in america in the in america and in the americas and specifically tries to make a case that all of the entire american economy and all of capitalism was built and formulated around the idea of slavery which is i mean that's a narrative based argument because essentially what you're doing is you're setting you start the foundation making essentially leading people down this path that slavery is essentially an american invention which it's not it's been around since 
since before Sumeria. It's been around. It's, since, by the way, it still is around today. There's slavery sex trafficking. has existed in every single country, in yeah. every single continent yeah. since the beginning of time. And yeah. only until very recently, I mean, it still exists in many countries. I was just going to say, Asia, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And only until very recently have human beings finally begun to correct this terrible problem, which I, you know, I consider one of the most horrible things that we've done to each other as human beings. And the whole reason why we're able to abolish slavery is because of this liberal idea. Western came from the West. I mean, it could have come from anywhere else, but I guess the West wrote it down and codified it first the, yeah. of individual civil liberties and individual human rights. And this capitalism, which essentially is one willing party and another willing party having a kind of a consensual relationship in terms of how are we going to exchange goods and services? And in no way does slavery factor into that because you're essentially you're essentially uh, 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 you're taking away someone's personhood and their and their and their personal rights when you're when you're talking about uh, humans as a commodity, right? Correct. So ca- this idea this idea of 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 uh, uh, kind of equivocating uh, capitalism and slavery is totally it's totally antithetical to they're antithetical to one another. Right. So I mean, I, I and th- this is you know I, I I don't know why I went down this road, yep. but I consider it particularly racist because it's this it's like oh well you know uh, Westerners and Americans we invented all of these things and and we and we you know it, it's like good or bad whether you invent something you're essentially saying yeah we invented it and I consider that incredibly like you're not considering any of the other cultures that practice yeah. slavery or not considering any of the other cultures that practice all of these other things. And instead you're hyper-focused on, on uh, like Eurocentricity essentially, whether yeah. you're condemning it or vilifying it or whether you're lifting it up, that's, that's racist because you're not focusing on anybody else. Correct. Does that make sense? Correct. Correct. No. Yeah. And also it, 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 it looks, we're, we're looking at race and first off, we're looking at it as if it's, we're not admitting the fact that it's a social construct. We're not admitting the fact that, I mean, I hate to tell people yeah. out there, but there's no such thing as biological race. No. It's not no. in the Did, biological like, like system Like our, our, our DNA, I mean, you might find certain, uh, like, aberrations in ethnic groups. For example, like, okay, you know, uh, uh, like Ashkenazi Jews might have a higher likelihood of this disease, right? Yep. Or black people might have a higher likelihood of this disease. Yes. Or Asians might be more susceptible. That's all, you know, little genetic variations in ethnic groups because of, I mean, essentially evolving in certain climates. Yeah. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, the DNA, there's no difference. There's you can't see race in 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 Co- DNA. Correct. Correct. It's the pigment of the skin color, and it's in the same category. Okay, as for example, hair color, okay, or yeah. eye color. So, and again, this you know yeah. people don't want to admit this, but but that's 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 what it is. Now, that doesn't all of a sudden mean that people aren't going to be racist in the future. Just like it's not. Here's the thing. Just like it doesn't mean that. Look, in ten years from now, there are still going to be some Muslims who hate Jews, and there are going to be uh, some Jews who hate some. Muslims. More here's than what, some. <laughs> yeah, here's what yeah. people don't understand. People don't like other people sometimes because they're different. Because they're different. Because they're different, Sean. And a lot of times, anytime you are a minority, it doesn't matter if you're based on race, ethnicity, uh, Mm -hmm. your dialect, for example, you will have Mm -hmm. a tendency to quote unquote bond together with some of the minorities that are also in that specific city, okay? Or in that culture where you feel like, hey man, like 
we're kind of the ones that are out. You know, we're the small Christian population inside a much larger Muslim population. I believe it's actually much more common in those cases that those Christians yes. probably come together and just kind of, you know, feel like, hey, like, let's get together. Let's kind of collectively kind of have each other's quote unquote back. Okay. Right. And by the way, well, this is... This is the exact same thing that's happened, obviously, in like a country like France or like Germany or like people say, oh, those, you know, those Muslims, they don't want to integrate. Like, okay, part of them doesn't want to integrate. They don't want to assimilate. But part of them feel like, look, the first thing we need to do, we're going into a new country with a new system that doesn't have necessarily the most greatest unbelievable track record, okay, of having very hmm, equal worldview when it comes down to race relations. We do kind of feel like before we really integrate and assimilate inside of this country, we feel like we should identify with those people who come from the same places that we do. And maybe that's based on skin color. Maybe that's based on religion, Sean. Obviously, in America, you had Italians, and it wasn't uncommon that you would have Italian neighborhoods or Irish and Uh, Irish neighborhoods. We still have have Italian neighborhoods, you know? Yeah, so like we can't keep seeing these things as like, oh, they're just such a terrible thing that happened in their – no, it's like a very natural thing for people to come together in situations and with they're the minority inside a majority to come sure. together and kind of feel more of a collective mindset and have a collective so, mindset. Right. So so you're what you're speaking on is tribalism essentially, which is yes. I mean, that's that's irrespective of race. I mean it, it can be the anything, same, anything. The same yeah. Yeah, no, I said yeah, it could be like you said, anything. It could be tennis pros. Hey, I'm down in South so, Florida. I don't think it's yeah, uncommon, so, Sean, that like uh, on the first social group that I joined was a Friday doubles night. What? Am I all right, of a sudden I, I like was, uh, anti? I was, I was sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Am I anti musician? Am I anti construction worker? Am I anti mechanic? Right, right. Because I happen to identify myself when I right. go down to South Florida as joining my first group, being tennis directors. Right. Like this right. is what people don't want to admit. It goes beyond race. It's beyond class. It's beyond religion. It taps into something much deeper inside of the human being. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to jump in here. Um, yeah. It's it's essentially shared beliefs and shared behaviors, and that could be. This is the thing, John. The same the same mental mechanism that privileges races or or that you know kind of presses the button of racism is connected to the same mental mechanism that makes a Chicago Cubs fan hate a New York Mets fan. Right. 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 It's in those things. I mean, it's it's the same mental mechanism. The only thing is that we've attributed race to it now. So it's very visual. It's if you're a if you're a a, a, or I don't know, name your sports rivalry. Like there are people. This happens in soccer all the time. There are people who kill each other over their soccer affiliations. Right. Right. And and yet and yet I mean, like, are there any social justice movements? be set on dismantling the sports or sports teams it's like these are these are human problems these are not necessarily societal problems i mean what 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 you're thinking about is kind of a top-down uh methodology and the reality it's a bottom-up methodology human beings have these ideas we're born with these you know imperfections we're born with all of these little carrots and strings in our mind that we're oh yeah you know we're we're disposed towards tribalism uh, predisposed towards ignorance, we're predisposed, we're predisposed towards a lot of things that our rational minds will fight against. Right. And we we construct systems that hopefully benefit everyone. I mean, it's, you know, essentially society. Soci- I would I would say that societies are better at preserving human well being than just everyone being on their own right. and and having you know little. I would I would think so. But the you know the kind of intersectional postmodernists. 
they would think that it's top down. Oh, no, no, no. Racism is created because of this societal system. And human beings, we're all exactly equal. And we're all exactly, you know, like if we got rid of all these systems, everyone would just get along and we would all. And that's not true. It's demonstrably false. It's not a top. It's racism doesn't come from top down. It goes bottom up. You the the, the, the you know, if, if a if a country there, it's like this is my problem with society systemic racism people say oh well it's, you know it's like the constitution is a racist document or a sexist document no that's not true just because it was written by all white men a lot of moment slaves doesn't mean the words in the document are racist or the words in the right. i mean like d- demonstrably we can look at the objectivity of what it means to say that everyone's created equal and i'm pretty sure that that goes and at, at least in terms of the 21st century that goes for everybody right that yeah. goes for everybody regardless of your color regardless of so these ideas, you know, it's like you, you, you have this system that you've set up. If the system produces racist results, it's not because the system is racist. It's because no. the people who are running the system are, have, have racism in their, in their mentality. And yeah. I'm not, right then that's so that yeah. I mean, we can kind of run, we can run this experiment over and over and over again. Yeah. And you'll see that the functions of the system are dependent on, on the people, essentially, the people right. who are running the system. Right. Right. And I think, I think, you know, to your point about the people who wrote the constitution, look, they were broken people. Every single person I've met, Sean, is not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. Some bigger than others, some small, some big. But now mm-hmm. I think the word to replace brokenness or a problem is the word racist, especially if it affected a black person or a mm-hmm. Latino person or an Asian person or any other mm-hmm. person that is quote unquote a minority. It's like, wait a second, maybe this person who disrespected you, you're right. It could have been based on the color of your skin, but that's not the only option. It's not right. like when I'm living as a white guy, okay, in another neighborhood in which there is either race or ethnicity or religion that dominates that area. It's not fair mm-hmm. for me to be like, well, the only reason that this country doesn't like me is because I'm a Christian. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a second, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with the fact that you're different than them. Let's start with the fact that what did you possibly do to tick them off or what did you do that they possibly maybe misinterpreted or what did you do maybe that kind of assumed that they had bad intentions when they did something, okay? But the problem with that, Sean, is it takes a minute. It takes patience. It doesn't support the minute you feel a certain emotional response to post it all over Instagram and to look for people who can self-identify with something that you bring up like it a hundred times and then automatically tell yourself, yep, see, it reaffirms the fact that what happened Uh, to me was anti-Christian or, 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 or anti-black or anti-white or anti-Asian or anti-this or anti-that. See, see, I have a bunch of people that like it and this kind versus being patient, taking a step back, breathing, thinking about the situation, thinking about the fact that maybe it was just ignorance on the other person's behalf. Maybe the person had a specific personal experience with something that wasn't identified with your race or your religion that had to act a certain way, but that takes a bit of a patient approach. That takes a bit of taking a step back and looking at it and seeing maybe possibly the big picture. Something that I think we all are a little bit of guilty of when we come into this incredibly brave new world where everything is happening so fast there's pressure for the media to get something out there really really fast whether it's movies whether it's the arts everything has just picked up at such a rapid pace and i don't think we're taking a best uh, a step back and seeing necessarily sean that uh, uh that big picture i know 
you know, when it comes down to recently, uh, the events that have taken place over, let's say, the past week, I, 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 one thing that's come up, Sean, and I want mm-hmm. you, to, I want you to share your thoughts. So, I've thought a lot about when a person is either mistreated or misidentified or misrepresented. Mm. And I thought about what should the approach be? And I thought about this situation with my son. So my son is two and a half years old and hopefully one day he's going to play basketball like his dad. Right? And he might play basketball and statistically speaking, this is not, you know, sorry if you're a white guy out there, but don't take this to be offensive. Statistically speaking, you are probably going to be slower less athletic and less skillful than let's say a black person i'm sorry it's a fact more specifically specifically a black american a black american okay so again i I hate to break that to my kid but you know the fact is there's going to be people who play better defense than you because you're going to be slower okay and that you're not going to jump as high okay but here's the thing sean when he comes home one day and he says to me i don't understand why this person doesn't want to pick me on their pickup game. I have two options. I can say to Johnny, you know why? Because you're white. You're white. And you know what? We're in, you are playing in a sport in which is not well represented when it comes down to the white boy. There, there you go. And instead of saying, you know, John, you know why? They're not picking you. I'll tell you why. Because like daddy, you can't jump too high. Like daddy, you can't run too fast. So you got to mm. take some of your things that you can do well, okay, and get mm. better. And mm. maybe instead of focusing on, for example, all right, and this is that, 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 that's just like, for example, when it comes down to uh, jumping or running. And let, let's break this down to just skills, okay? Let's say, no, dad, it's not that. It's, it's, it's the fact that I can run and I can jump just as fast as these guys. Well, the problem is, Johnny, your skill set's not that great. And the reason maybe your skill set isn't that great is because of the fact that you haven't practiced with players that are better than you, okay? Now, I take this from my approach first, okay? Um, I don't look at the NBA draft, Sean, as being racist. I don't say to the NBA draft and say, man, all these black guys are getting drafted. It must be because of racism. You know what I'm going to say? If you're a white kid out there, step it up a little bit. Right? Like maybe there's something you're doing. Maybe. Maybe there's something that you're doing that isn't as good as the majority of players that are coming into the league. Here's where I love this conversation because this is where I get to be nice and controversial and tick off all those people who want me to step on eggshells. Guess what? There's other parts of our society... Okay, Sean, where instead of looking at your religion, at your ethnicity, at your race, who you feel like is being significantly, let's say in the 21st century, in 2020, significantly being targeted. Maybe in addition to talking about race, you also might want to talk about some of the other reasons and some of the other people that are responsible for this targeting. Maybe. Not all. I'm not saying all. But maybe we should go down that road. And to be quite frankly, I can't go down that road. You can't go down that road because you know what name we're going to be called. Okay? 
But I bring up the story of basketball because I want to say that, look, just because, okay, a significant amount of people are underrepresented, in this case, white people in basketball, doesn't mean that the NBA is inherently a racist organization, Sean. Right, right. And maybe right. it's deeper than just the fact that my son is white or that players are white. Maybe right. there's something deeper. And if I truly want to go to the NBA and I truly want to become a good basketball player, by the way, this ain't just basketball. This is dance, for example. All right, I'm sorry. You know, if there was a Latino, if there was a competition when it came down to salsa, all right, I'm not going to be necessarily the front runner as opposed to someone who comes from, let's say, a South America or Latino country. I can't just say that this salsa competition is racist. Maybe it's the fact that they're more better prepared for it than I am. Maybe it's the fact that over the past 10, 20 years, they've been able to be a part of something and have a better understanding of something. And that the only way I can compete is if I look at myself and say there is something that I need to change. There is something that I need to fix if I want to compete at that same level. So I bring up dance. I bring up sports. There's so many different things I can bring up. I can bring up rap. I can, I can, I can bring up just like, you want to know what I can bring up? I can bring up charisma. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I mean, again, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. The most charismatic speakers that I have heard speak have been minorities. That's just my, that's just been my experience. And again, if you're a white guy out there and you're saying, what, I can't public speak? Well, you can, but you don't seem to grab the attention as, as, as other people do. Okay? And so, um, funny how I say that. And there's, of course, Obama and Trump, you know? <laughs> One guy being charismatic and the other guy not. Okay? I don't think Trump should automatically claim that uh, it's racism that stops him from being a charismatic speaker. But again, I went on a bit there. I had to bring that point up. Um, and uh, with that said, go ahead. I want you to take over. Okay, wow, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess I'll say I guess I'll start with this. Um, the same people who are okay. So let me start again. The the people who are pointing out that women of color, for example, are underrepresented in positions as CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, right? These same people are not pointing out and complaining about the fact that women of color are underrepresented, let's say, in the prison population or as janitors or as homeless people, right? This is there's this kind of this the ideology is kind of privileging success over failure and believing that, well, there's there's you know I'm gonna take example the example again, women of color. There's only, you know, I think in Fortune 500 companies, I think there's only uh, one or two black women. I'm not even saying women of color. Let's just say black women. Uh, black women. They're, you know, so like uh, uh, statistically they're un underrepresented in Fortune 500 companies. It's like, okay, if you want to look at that inequality as evidence of discrimination, well, then you have to apply that idea of inequality in other places too. And I'll give, and I'll say black women. Okay. 92% of the prison population are men. So does that mean the prison population is biased or racist against men or and privileges yep. women? Yep. Yep. Right. Or, or, or for example, I mean like um, uh, construction jobs or fishing or coal mining, any, any of these jobs that are dirt, you know, gar 
picking up garbage. I don't think I've, I think I've maybe seen one female uh, uh, garbage collector in my life. And actually, she was kind of hot, which is which is really funny. But like, <laughs> the, the, I mean, why are why are the same like you know uh, intersectional femi- feminists not? Why are they not complaining about a lack of women who are garbage collectors? Right. I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't fit their narrative. They they don't care about equality. They don't care about having equality of opportunity. They want they want greater outcomes for their intersectional group. It has right. nothing to do with equality. It has nothing to do with equality. And this is the thing is, again, speaking to your analogy about basketball, um, yeah, like if you were to apply that logic to basketball, you could say, oh, the NBA is racist against Mexicans because there's no Mexicans in the NBA. I think there's one Cuban and I think there's one – there's a couple of guys who are Puerto Rican or half Puerto Rican. That's it. I don't think there's any Mexicans in the NBA, and you you might maybe 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 there are, and I just I haven't looked. Yeah, but they're but, under quote unquote underrepresented according to the amount of population of the yeah exactly. Yes. And and bla- and guess what? Black men and giant Russians are way overrepresented, <laughs> right? If if you're like if you have if you're a white guy yeah, in the he, NBA, yeah, chances yeah. are you've got either Viking Scandinavian DNA or bit like Russian Cossack DNA, right? <laughs> so it's like. The, you know, you can get into the minutia of all these things. Yeah. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the system is oppressing uh, people who are not that. It's just that th- these. Uh, this is the thing, Johnny. Is that we're we're all different. You know, yeah, we're all different. And this is. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to the women being CEOs thing. I mean. It, it could very well be that there are systems in place that are preventing women to get to positions of power. Could be. However, that's not very in, indicative of the systems of capitalism, which capitalism, the whole idea of, of a capitalist, or if, let's say if I'm a, let's say if I'm a, uh, you know, if I, if I own a factory or I own a company, if it's true that I can pay women 70 cents, 77 cents on the dollar, well, then what, what would be stopping me from hiring all women in my company and saving so much money and so much overhead, right? right. So it's like a backwards argument. Women are not being paid 70 cents on the dollar wage-wise. It's just that over their, over lifetimes, men and women tend to make different life choices. Men, you know, A lot of women leave the workplace, become mothers. A lot of those men who are fathers, they have to pick up overtime and they have to, and they have to try to make more money. Because their their wives are being mothers, and and guess what? Good for them for making those decisions. Those are yep. their personal decisions, right? Yep. Yep. And if if at the end of the day that means that on average a woman earns less, on average a man earns more. Well, guess what? Those are that's the decisions that those individuals have made, and and we can see this based on culture, based on gender, based on a lot of things. Right. I, I mean, like, you know, and this, you can go into, so, this is this is another big thing about intersectionalities and intersectional feminism is it tries to, it tries to undercut, bio, I mean, it essentially wholesale denies biological sex, difference in the sexes, right? Yep. It wholesale denies this because it's trying to say that, you know, when you say, okay, it's a trans woman or a trans man, they'll say, no, 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 no. Is not a trans woman or a trans man. They're a woman or a man. You know, if you're born, if you're born into a man's body and you identify as a woman, then you are a woman. And it's like, okay, well, objectively, that's false. Objectively, that's false because we're talking about bone density, because we're talking about uh, uh, um, we're talking about inner interconnectivity in the interstitial cortex of the brain. We're talking about uh, prenatal 
testosterone. We're talking about all of these biological things that you can measure. You can yep. measure and see the differences yep. between men and yep. women. Yep. So, I mean, to, to try and to try and finagle your way around biology, and the way they do that is by saying, well, that biology is is an oppressive colonialist idea made by white Western men in order to try to <clears throat> force hierarchy upon everybody. Well, right. that's demonstrably false. Yeah. And, and and another thing to jump to 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 kind of jump on that. A whole crux of this ideology and what you see going on with, you know, with, uh, with uh, like, you know, far left ideology essentially is this idea that hierarchy is bad and hierarchy is a human invention, right? Hierarchy exists in nature, in every single level of nature, right? That's not to say that it's good or bad, because if this is the thing, if you look at biology or history or anything that where you gain knowledge as a moral system, you're ultimately going to fail and you're not going to see the truth because for example, open up a history book. If you try to look at the actions of Julius Caesar or the actions of Charlemagne or the, the actions of Genghis Khan or the, you know, the act of any of King Henry the third or, or George Washington. And you try to view those actions through the goggles of 21st century, Western liberal secular morality. All of them are going to seem like bad guys. They're yeah. all going to seem like, deeply flawed characters when in reality is you have to take off those goggles and you have to try to put yourself in the shoes of what did these what did these people believe did julius caesar believe that when he achieved victory i mean there's no evidence that he was religious but he definitely made appeals to the god to the roman gods and he said he talked a lot about fortune got fortuna the the actual roman god of fortune and he believed that fortuna was on his side Alexander the Great was deeply religious, and he would every single time he would conquer a, uh, a country or land, he would go to the temples there and he would make offerings to their gods because yeah. he believed that it would curry favor. So it's like all of these things, like you know, Roman or Persian mythology that we don't consider valid anymore or we don't consider demonstrably factual. Correct. Those people did. So Correct. you have to really you have to get in their mind and think, okay. What did these people think about individual human rights? Well, that didn't exist. That didn't exist before enlightenment. There was yeah. entire races of people, and race is not black, white. Race could be this tribe, and then in the valley next to next to that tribe is another tribe, and those are different races. Yeah. So you, I mean, all of these, all of the nomenclature that we've that we've come to understand about about the world. All of that is filtered through a lens of morality that exists now and didn't exist back then. So you have to look at this. If you want to learn anything from history, you have to take off the moralizing goggles and look at history through an objective lens. Try to put your try to be empathetic and yes. put yourself in the shoes of the actors who are doing so. Right. That's the only way that you're going to learn anything from history. Right. You have to and take I'll, I'll let everything. You jump back. Um, let's jump in. Yeah. No, you have to take everything and put it into context. Mm-hmm. You have to take the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. And you mm-hmm. have to take every... I mean, that's what I think in many ways what art is, right? Or art is this idea of, okay, there's a problem, we're going to explore the problem. Or there is something very interesting and new, and we're going to explore what's interesting and what's new. Versus yeah. kind of saying, we have a thesis, that thesis is set in stone, this is how we're going to see everything. And I think I think it's it's interesting that the people that you meant, that you mentioned... Just because you're a deeply flawed person does not mean that's the only thing about you as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're studying people inside of your own family. That's people when you're studying in the history books. That's people that are politicians. That's businessmen, businesswomen. 
that's all sorts of things, mothers, fathers, you name it, that yes, okay, you can point out the flaws of a person. That's, 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 that's not a problem, okay? But if you're doing so just for the sake of pointing out flaws to support your own personal argument, yeah, it's not constructive. Yeah, you're exactly. It's not constructive. It's not constructive. So, you're not going to provide or get to a solution in which can solve a problem. And so and, I do. And, I do and think John, it's more- even even the term flaw, it's like I, I'm not a person who who advocates for totally subjective morality because I, I think that I think that morale, and I think we've covered this before, but I think that morality is subjective, but it's subjective insofar as we can all agree as what what is best to what are the best ways that we can mitigate human suffering and maximize human uh, uh, well-being? And may- maybe not even human. I would just say maybe sentient beings because, yeah. John, in, in, in a hundred years, our grandchildren might look back on us. There might, ha- there might be, there might be uh, you know, steps forward in neuroscience that place cognition and sentience upon certain animals and fetuses and it's like we might look back and look at look at you know it's you know atheists like me might look back at uh, abortion as oh my god that was murder we didn't know that back then or we might look back at meat eaters we might look back at eating pigs and saying oh my god they had brains this you know larger than dogs and they could understand and they had emotional intelligence right we don't you know what i mean like yep. so our idea of morality changes and we have to be we have to be okay with that, and we have to be open to the arguments and the reason. And th- that's why I, I, I'm saying, like, you know, flaws. Humans are deeply flawed. Yeah, I mean, but even even the word flaw is a subjective thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah. We, we have to we have to. So we, I mean, I, I guess the the ultimate takeaway is be empathetic. Right. And and that this is listen. I'm not saying oh everything is everything. Up is down. Left is right. Right is wrong. They all they're all just words that mean nothing. No, that's not true. Yep. I think we can get to a place which is demonstrably more moral and more right than other places, and I right. think we can measure we can measure that clearly. But we need to be very careful when we're talking about flaws and morals and right and wrong and what is racist and what is not, you know, and really put our you know essentially be empathetic. Try to walk a mile in this other person's shoes and understand what they were going, what they believe in, what they believe to be true. What they believe their thinking is the right thing to, whether you agree with it or not, right? Right, right, right. Well, and if, if I can, give it- if I can actually, if I can just, if I can just jump in on one more thing, and then I'll hand Mike back to you. But this idea of hierarchy, which is something that the intersectionalists want to, or I would say Marxists in general, they want to get rid of. You know, they want the, they believe hierarchy is oppressive, and whether you believe that's true or not. Hierarchy is essentially a facet of nature. You know, the, 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 the stronger, smarter, more cunning uh, uh, creatures who figured things out, they're going to be in a better, stronger, you know, wealthier, more powerful position than those who are weaker, not as smart, not as hardworking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and the hierarchy, however, this is the thing, you know, you can't just place someone in charge just because you just you think, oh well, this person hasn't been represented enough. Therefore, I'm gonna I'm gonna let them have the megaphone. That's right. not how it works. You right. know, we should be working out with meritocracy. And I mean, of course, there's problems with meritocracy. But when you try to get rid of a hierarch- hierarchical structure, you are going to see 
usually worse hierarchies and worse oppression pop up in its stead because you can't erase hierarchy. But what you can do is make the hierarchy as fair as possible and as malleable as possible. And you can make this ladder, you can put you can put more rungs on the ladder to try to say, okay, here's some paths for poor people or for, for you know, for people with low IQs or for sick people to try and get themselves up and try to improve. And, and the idea that quality of life can be great on every single rung of the ladder is something that they don't talk about either. They only talk about, oh yeah, well, you know, CEOs and the ruling class and the 1%, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, I mean, there's people all over developing countries, and I'm not trying to make an argument for keeping people poor at all, but there's plenty of people who live, you know, subsistence farming lives, and they're incredibly happy, and they're incredibly fulfilled, right? And I don't want to simplify that. I guess I wanted to speak on the aspects of, of hierarchy not looking at that as a moral system. It's just a human and a natural system. So Correct. I'll let you go ahead and jump no, in. No, and I think in. in the West, the one thing I think we've totally dropped the ball on is viewing suffering as a bad thing in terms mm. of when bad things happen to you, the only thing that can happen in the future is bad things. I think <laughs> most people would agree to a certain extent that sometimes the most things that you've learned in life have taken place as a result of losing a tennis match, of losing a basketball game. And again, that speaks to my performance, of getting failed by a teacher when it comes to a test. Because, you know, your weaknesses are exposed a lot of times, and you don't like it, and it doesn't sit well with you. And you really have two options. You can get up and look at something that you can do differently, or look at something in which someone did something to you that you can address, and you can confront, and you can have a conversation with that person. You can have a conversation with yourself if you feel like it's more internal. Okay, but what I think is not a good solution, and this is where I think to wrap this whole thing up today, this is where I see the right going wrong. You know, in addition to still, you know, tattooing the right arm of the tyrant with freedom and democracy, and we're going to spread civilized world to uncivilized world, even though a lot of these uncivilized worlds aren't uncivilized anymore, but they still are towing the line of putting boots on the ground, of using our military to tell people what to do to protect the United States dollar. There's no criticism of this from the right. And it's very fascinating that they have no problem with the government spending and the government controlling. This is the great hypocrisy of the right, especially today. They have no problem, no problem with the government being in control and being given a lot of money to spend on international situations and on foreign policy but the minute those dollars are spent inside the country they're big tyrants it's like they're angels in other countries but when it comes down to this country our government's a tyrant so i think the fact that this police state has not been accurately addressed by the right and more importantly when some of the things have coming up in our society i don't think if you're on the right that you match tribalism with tribalism. I don't think it's a good idea if you are somebody on the right when you hear someone bring an issue who's on the left, especially when it comes down to race relations, specifically between the police and the black community. I don't think it's a great idea waving a flag that says blue lives matter. I don't think it's necessarily going to solve problems by having a bumper sticker that even says all lives matter. I think it's a good idea to actually just take a minute and listen to what someone is saying. And then you can obviously, after listening to what they have to say, maybe come up with a solution or a way forward in which two groups or two people or two institutions can work together on some of the problems that we face. 
But again, I see a little bit of match tribalism, match tribalism. If you're going to have Black Lives Matter, we're going to have a biker gang. If uh, you're going to march in the streets, I'm going to go to a Trump rally. Like this is kind of the, some of the interesting things that have taken place. I know Trump just had a big rally. And like this is what I think a lot of people said. Well, if Black Lives Matter can protest in the streets, I'm going to show that I can protest too. And I could care less about COVID-19. And I'm going to go to a big stadium and rah-rah and root on the president. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you can do that. But maybe you should actually hold him accountable to some of the things that he's done that have been a complete failure. Maybe yeah. before you jump on his train, okay, you should actually see where it's going. And maybe yeah. if it's not going in a good direction, maybe it's a good thing to let someone know that it's not going in the right direction. Because contrary to what most people think, I don't think he's going to put this country in the right position. I think that he is living off the incredible insanity that is taking place on the other side of the aisle. But the For issue sure. is that a lot of his yeah. followers are so caught up with the hysteria taking place on the left they have still yet to fail. They have still yet to solve their own problems, and have complete have been completely blinded by some of the severe issues that they themselves have. So, you know, whatever happens in November, I hope it's a landslide. I hope Biden kicks the crap out of him, or that he kicks the crap out of Biden. I don't want an election, Sean, where there's a little well, this or that, or they got the popular vote and they got the electoral vote, and well, these ballots didn't come in until 2 a.m. in the morning. No, I All want right. it to be a complete landslide. I want <laughs> Trump to wake up in the morning time and say, you know what, you were a little too prideful, you trolled a little too much, and you governed a, too, a little too less. And quite frankly, you didn't do a great job at bringing people together. And instead, you just picked fights on Twitter all day long. Okay? Or, or the left says, you know what? You guys began to eat yourselves. You guys went against exactly what America stands for, which is people are supposed to be treated like and 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 they're supposed to be looked upon at with the content of their character versus the color of their skin. And you ate away at your groups. First it was this group, then it was that group, and then eventually it was almost everyone who's a part of your group, and it was all for what? For what? So that Trump can have four more years, four more years right. in which we could have had someone better represent us. Okay? Yeah. And that's that's how I wanted to finish off on my part. I wanted you to uh, uh, take over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's great. And, uh, you know, you know what we can do is next, because we, I only talked about this, I guess, pre, its presence in academia, this kind of ideology. You know, next shows we can talk about its presence in uh, culture and then its presence in, um, um, in news media, essentially, because right. the, this, the social justice... Uh, intersectional ideology has spilled over in both of those things in a big way, and I guess I, I want to talk about. I mean, because those are those are even more co- make those are even more visible than what's going on in academia. Because most regular people don't know who Michel Foucault or Jacques Derrida or Simone de Beauvoir. They don't know who these people are, um, and so you know th- that I, that idea in academia, which you know. We, we can illustrate it doesn't really connect with people's lived experiences until we start talking about what they see on Twitter, what they see on CNN, what they see on, you know, uh, on t- what, what Disney is doing, what HBO is doing and all these things. Right. So we can talk, right. we can talk about that next. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm actually glad that we, we only focused on this today because it's such a big, it's such, such a big subject to deal with. And, right. Correct. And and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I 
I guess that's all I have to say on that on that <laughs> subject. Uh, it is a big go, subject. Do, do, do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's it, man. We went a strong hour, fifteen minutes, man. We packed it up. Yeah, yeah. Packed it up. I and, mean, and, um, and, and really, we we really only scratched the surface in terms of how this ideology has kind of infected academia. And I, uh, you know, I yeah. think I think we kind of we kind of covered a lot of it, but it's just. You know, listeners, if, if there are any listeners out there, they can check out something called the Grievance Studies, which is um, these three uh, liberal intellectuals in academia, Helen Pluckrose, uh, Peter Bogosian, and James Lindsay, how they all kind of wrote all these papers uh, that kind of had social justice ideology imprinted inside of them. And they were all based on sort of false... Uh, premises and all of the data was fudged and they wanted to see if they could get it peer-reviewed and published in journals and they were able to get them peer-reviewed and published in journals. So they were kind of illustrating essentially what's wrong with academia and academic journals in that they're not being objective or exhaustive because the peer review system has been infiltrated by this ideology of postmodern intersectionality where, right. where if you look at a problem and you you know they're going to say oh the problem is is privilege and societal systemic oppression right. not culture or economics or environment or any of these other things yep. so they're biased towards this ideology i guess that's, that's essentially what they were trying to point out and so you know that's kind of the basis of where my criticism comes from and so i guess if anybody else wants to learn more about that check out the grievance studies and, right. and that's kind of a good illustration of what's going on in act and and how this ideology has been festering in academia uh, and growing and and you know ideologically taking over and silencing dissenting opinions for the past thirty years or so. So you know, right. and we can <clears throat> we can talk about that a little bit more next episode, and I can continue talking about how it, how it's present in media and culture. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we can. And take, I think you're right, especially especially when it comes down to the hypocrisy. I think. You know, whether it's in articles, whether it's in actual videos that are online, there are there are some great examples I think you and I could point to um, that show the oh, hypocritical, for sure. the, the, for the sure. this is factual, you know, the factual hypocritical nature of some of the news networks and how they are reporting news. Oh, and everyone's oh, guilty. Mo of it, and most, you know? of, I mean, most, most of news networks now, I mean, the fact that news is so narrative based instead of. Uh, kind of fact and, and objective fact based. You know, New York Times has no qualms about writing a story and then uh, rewriting all of these redactions and all of these changes because they're trying to get a negative across, uh, a narrative across. So, you know, right. and that how that has changed in the past few years and a lot how a lot of that has to do with kind of clickbait and sharing and ad based revenue services. You know, we can yep. get all into all that yeah. next. No, next I time. think that's right. And I think too, it's like it's. It's like anyone else. Anyone else who's a little dis desperate, who's feeling the pinch, who can see that their structure is falling apart, gets desperate. And they start making yeah. moves and they get aggressive. And they say, maybe this will pay right. off, you know? Because we do see kind of right. the, the the traditional, oh, I hate to use the board power, because we just, the traditional um, influence that we had is no longer there. And so when something yeah. begins to fall apart, you get to be more and more aggressive more and more desperate and a lot of times in your aggressive approach to trying to solve a problem you make some really big mistakes and i think that's what happens yeah so, yeah yeah i mean i guess just to dovetail on your point and to go back to our point of you have a system that was set up regardless of who set it up if you can demonstrate that the, that the uh that the um results of that system are 
objective and can apply to everybody, then you can't make this argument that it is inherently a sexist or a racist institution. If, um, you know, unless we're talking about apartheid, which is like specifically says, oh, white people can only, you know, can only be in these positions of power, only so-and-so, this, that, and the other. And the idea of tearing down an entire system as a way to remedy it is far worse than looking at underlying issues and trying to correct for, uh, you know, for uh, correct for margins of error and correct for maybe things that you're missing culturally. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. much, it's reformation versus revolution. It's, you know, I would, I would much argue more difficult you, to try to fine tune. Yeah, no, I would argue, I agree with you hundred percent. I would, I think the way forward is a reformation in the United States, not a revolution. And that's just my takeaway. As a matter of fact, well, I would even well, argue. Well said. We we're, can, yeah, like mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be finishing up today, but I would even argue that I actually never believed, and I would make the argument that I never believed the American Revolution was a revolution. I believed it was a reformation on English ideas and the Enlightenment as well as the Magna mm. Carta. I've always looked at. Yep. Now, the French, rev, that was a revolution, I think. The Russian, that was right, a revolution. Right. I never really viewed what took place in the United States as a revolution, I saw it much more as a reformation. And a lot of this has to yeah, do yeah. with what I mean, the... It, what it, the it's a reformation that led to... It led to a war, but nonetheless. Yes, you know. and then after this war, there was serious reconciliation between business done in Britain and then the United States. It was... I mean, look, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't as gory. It wasn't as violent. It wasn't as tyrannical... And let's burn down the world as let's burn down the world. Let's just tear down the past completely as it was in obviously well, look, France and, and Russia. And, again, and, and look at the results of the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution. Yes. They went around and they chopped people's heads off because J'accuse and you are, you know, you are, you were a business owner or you were a high up member of government or the church or whatever. Therefore, I indict you. And right. you know you're a factory owner. You oh you 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 hired people, therefore you oppressed people because right. profit equals uh, right. uh, profit right. equals theft. Right. So therefore this that and the other. You know right. yeah I absolutely agree. Yeah. Absolutely agree, John. Well, good stuff, man. Got a lot in today. We'll be back next week. And um, with that said, man, enjoy the rest of the week. Hope the weather continues to warm up, and uh, you'll be back in the state. You'll be in the states in a little bit. Yeah, I'll be I'll be visiting for a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a little live show, have a little, have a cigar, have that a little uh, gin and tonic or whatever it is that you want, a little whiskey on the rocks and, uh, you know, have that another, have another episode of Solving All the World's Problems, you know? Yeah, brother. Sounds good. All right, man. You be good. You too.